Hey guys, welcome back to what I what I feel is the most exciting podcast I've done yet. This is so exciting. Um, it is now four and a half days since Avengers Endgame hit theaters. And we are already, I think, hours away from hitting the $1 billion mark, making the Avengers Endgame the biggest movie opening in history. And on track to maybe dethrone, uh, what's his name? James Cameron's Avatar from the highest grossing film of all time. Who knows? I don't know about that one. I think it's still got a ways to go. But, wow, it has been quite a ride. I've watched the film twice. I think many of you who are listening to this particular podcast about Endgame have watched it twice as well, if not more. I know some of you have watched it three times. And uh, why not? It has been a roller coaster. I still have all the emotions and at full charge. I remember walking in for the second viewing and nothing was dampened. I felt the same level of ridiculous emotion in every scene that I had that, 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 that calling and here's the thing okay a lot of you are listening to this podcast it's a podcast about all about my opinion about the film as well as things you missed or you may have missed a lot of you are fans so you probably saw those things and go wow that was amazing and I'm not going to be patronizing at all there are things that I didn't know and I learned only after the film and at the same time there are things I noticed that I thought were very nice nods and I want to cover all of that today just so that you appreciate really really appreciate the level that the writers um the writers Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus as well as the Russo brothers um, have done such a great job in terms of putting in all these tiny little nods as well as these major nods and homages and, and, and Easter eggs that I would say the average person, the average cinema goer might get half of them and a comic book fan might get 80% of them. There's still things that require more than just comic knowledge. I think it's a lot of putting the pieces together and a lot of philosophical stuff. I was talking about this to some of my fellow fans when we went to watch the movie. So without further ado, I want to start out before going into Endgame and, and I want to start with the story about how all of this came together very quickly and, and it was so exciting to learn this because I just couldn't believe what I was reading. This is the, this is the stuff that they write fictional movies out of. So when, in 2004 when uh, Kevin Feige was, wasn't the president of Marvel Studios, 2004 because it didn't exist, um, he was part of Marvel overall and he saw that X-Men, so Fox was making a ton of money from X-Men, Sony was making a ton of money from the Spider-Man films, and he said that while that's great, Marvel still retained the rights to most of all the other superheroes that included major titles like Thor and and Hulk and, and, um, sorry, Thor and Iron Man and Captain America, but nothing was being done. So he said, let's make our own movies. And so he went to Avi Arad, who was at the time the president of um, Marvel, and he said to Avi Arad, listen, he gave, his, he gave his idea, and both agreed, and they went out and got seed funding for around $500 million, at which point Kevin Feige then gives Avi his vision, which is he wants to create a couple of individual films with individual superheroes and then end with an ensemble feature film featuring those superheroes they just introduced. And that was, a, that was probably the extent of what his, his plan was. At, at that, and Avi Arad didn't agree. Avi Arad uh, thought it wasn't a great idea to the point where at, at one point at that time, Avi resigned. <laughs> I, I still can't believe that um, he probably feels the way many of the people feel like the people who said no to the Beatles or to Elvis. Um, Avi resigned and Kevin Feige became the president of Marvel Studios. At that time, it was called the Marvel Cinema Universe and it's only when a lot of pieces fell, started falling into place, they had different channels, 
and other media that it started getting called a Marvel Cinematic Universe. And here's my favorite bit. Here's my favorite piece of trivia. Um, while Iron Man was the first movie they was they started planning on way back in 2005 onwards, uh, and for the film to release in 2008, it turns out that Edgar Wright had written up a direction and a concept for Ant-Man way back then. I know that many of us only heard of the Ant-Man coming into Marvel Studios years later, but Edgar Wright was already on Ant-Man with Kevin Feige way back in 2005, and in 2006, he presented Kevin Feige with his idea and concept, as well as a partial script and, 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 and the, the vision for Ant-Man, and Kevin saw that something special in that and that's literally what made Kevin make up his mind and change or actually change his vision a bit to turn it into a shared universe that would span I mean dozens of films and then culminate in this saga called the Infinity Saga so honestly for all the love we have for the Marvel films and for the Avengers films and for Endgame we owe it all uh, in a huge part also to Edgar Wright and Ant-Man um, and once again, Ant-Man turns out to be the, the glue that holds everything together. Okay, so coming into Endgame, a few things that I want to start with. Number one, it's uh, taking away all the cliche stuff. It's great that, you know, Endgame was a title based on what uh, uh, Dr. Strange said in Infinity War. But let's go into some other st other details. Uh, and these are not going to be in any order of the film or in the order of the runtime and everything else. But I do want to cover stuff as they come to me because it's going all from memory. The film opens with Hawkeye's daughter, and she's holding the bow and arrow, and, and Clint is training her. Uh, there's a moment where Clint actually calls her Hawkeye. Now, here's an interesting piece of trivia. Until that point in time, he has never been called Hawkeye himself. Hawkeye has never been um, referenced as a name in the entire 21 film run until this 22nd film. And even here, he's calling his daughter Hawkeye. The closest it has ever gotten is when uh, Eric Selvig called him the Hawk in the first Avengers film. So that's an interesting thing that, that I only realized in this film. that I, I remember that he was never called Hawkeye. The other thing that I liked was the Russo brothers, the cameo uh, with uh, Joe Russo. And here's a bit of trivia there. There's two incredible pieces of trivia. Number one, if you, if you look closely, if you watch the film again, or maybe you remember after watching it, when they were sitting in that little hall and doing the therapy session with Captain with Steve Rogers uh, and Joe Russo starts talking about his um, his situation, the name of the hall on top of the uh, the wall on top it said Matthew Haggerty Hall. Matthew Haggerty is the co-director of Infinity War and Endgame, so that's a nice nod towards him while another director is sitting in the room. But here's what I love the most: in that scene, one of the people receiving therapy is Jim Starlin. Jim Starlin is the writer who came up with the Infinity Gauntlet and the Infinity War saga in the comics decades ago. So the man who kickstarted this entire story way before there was a movie universe, way before there was a, a concept of superheroes in the movie universe, this is what, um, this, he's the guy who did it and he was there. What a great touch and what a great nod to the man who obviously is, I mean, at the level of, I would say, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby as far as this storyline is concerned. Great stuff. I really. I really like that. I think the real hero of the entire movie, um, the real superhero here, was the rat who walked over the device in the van that kickstarted Ant-Man's return. If that rat hadn't done that, we would all be living in a 50% less universe and yeah, depressed as heck. That was amazing. I love the Ken, uh, Ken Jeong cameo, that was really cool. Another great nod was when 
the, they started moving towards finding all the different uh, original six Avengers and they started going to where Thor is. Now, this, the new Asgard is where Thor is supposed to be where they, and they showed this beautiful location. But what's interesting, if you notice under the sign it said the city of Tonsberg. Now, Tonsberg is the place where in Thor Ragnarok, Odin said, this can be Asgard. Remember? Yeah, that was, I thought that was a nice touch. Tonsberg was also the site where Odin led his war against the frost giants on Earth in the first Thor movie. It was also the place where Johann Schmidt, I mean, the Red Skull, uh, found the Tesseract. This is, uh, it was such a great moment to show all these bits in this one little location, which means there's so much of magic and power in that location. It wasn't just, oh look, it's a beautiful place, let's put Asgard here. If you remember the scene where the, the Avengers are, or the remaining Avengers are having a meal with the, um, Dr. Hulk, uh, he, he dips into a tub of dessert. That dessert was actually the Hulk, what the? Hulka Hulka burning fudge ice cream that Ben and Jerry's had, had reportedly come up with in Infinity War, which Iron Man <laughs> referred to. I thought that was a nice uh, touch. Many of you may have noticed that Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, has a new haircut. That haircut is directly from her stint in the comics. In one of the one of the stints that was written, uh, she actually has short hair, so it wasn't just for fashion. She actually she routinely rocks great hairstyles in the comics, so this was a nice nod as well. Here's a stretch. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. It's a rumor, but here's something that I was thinking about. If you remember, in in the start of uh, in Endgame, when Natasha was talking to the holograms, she mentioned, "Is there anything happening?" And Okoye mentioned that there's a seismic event that takes place under the ocean, causing an earthquake under underwater. And I don't know why, but I feel like they're talking about Atlantis and Namor. I really, I really think so, but you never know. Another great nod to the comics was, and it done very well, was when Captain America says, Hail Hydra. In the comics, if you haven't read the comics, there's an entire uh, stream that spanned the last two years where uh, it turns out due to a, due to whatever, many reasons, Captain America is actually a sleeper Hydra agent. And um, that's, and his iconic words that, Turn the tide in the in and and reveal that in the comics was just one incredible pain, where there's a little word bubble that says Hail Hydra, and so I thought that was a great touch. Another great throwback was if you remember the scene where uh, Steve Rogers goes back and goes back in time to the the war in New York and the attack on New York, and he goes into Avengers Tower, and you have the original Avengers all standing around Loki, and Loki says, "If it's all the same with you, I'd like to have that ring now." And they pack up and Tony mentions uh, to Director Pierce that they're headed to get some lunch and then going to Asgard. So, so Thor says that. And it's interesting because the place they're going for lunch is then technically it's the shawarma place which was mentioned at the end of uh, Avengers 1. Nice, uh, nice continuity there. Or is it continuity? Anyway. Lots of community cameos. That was, that was really nice. Uh, they had <laughs> the lady called Shirley, so Eve Nicole Brown from Community uh, is, is uh, in the movie, in the elevator in the past, that was nice. What I really liked, I thought this was beautiful, the uniform that Steve Rogers wears when they go back into the past and he goes with, Steve Ro with uh, Tony Stark, the uniform of pilots, it's actually, it says over there, Roscoe on the, on the name badge. Roscoe is actually the name of the soldier who became Captain America when in the comics when Steve Rogers gave up uh, the red, red, white and blue and became Nomad. So I think that was really, really, that was so clever, very, very, very smart in Camp Lehigh. 
another great touch was the original Ant-Man vintage helmet that was on Hank Pym's desk that was a great touch as well um, love the scene with Captain America with so sorry love the scene with uh, Tony Stark talking to his dad the scene of Captain America's shield being broken into pieces by Thanos is something that was shown in the comics as well as in the dream that Tony Stark had so I think that was a nice touch as well great moment from the comics uh, from Infinity Conflict uh, perfectly created I think I screamed the most I, I literally I think I jumped up in my seat and I started screaming my head off along with everybody in the cinema when Captain America lifts Mjolnir I think that was it for me for decades and decades of list of reading that comics and and 11 years of watching that tease happen in the MCU it finally happened what a payoff I love that I think it was incredible and it finally proves that yes Captain America is worthy um, but aside from that I think another beautiful scene and this is a scene that I I felt a lot of uh, emotion with was when Captain America's shield is broken and Thanos calls his entire army Captain America picks up his shield buckles it up again and starts walking alone to face off the thousands and thousands of uh, Thanos' soldiers as well as Thanos himself single-handedly like I mean I can do this all day right but it was such an iconic moment which is again directly from the, the one of the final pages of Infinity Gauntlet where Captain America is seen walking towards Thanos uh, alone when every other Avenger has is dead it's it's uh, fantastic or is, is injured fantastic moment very well caught on film fantastic great cameo by um, Harley Keenan who was the kid in who's a kid in Iron Man 3 and now he's all grown up very very good Ty Simkins, Ty Simkins is the actor if I remember also a great nod and here's the interesting thing a lot of people thought it was just a comic jibe remember when Thor gets onto the Benatar and Peter Quill says this is no so as soon as he gets onto the Benatar he says ah oh, the As Asgardians of the Galaxy so yeah it was a comic turned on the phrase of Asgard but at the same time Asgardians of the Galaxy is a real Marvel comic so that's a great nod to that as well. It includes Thor's sister Angela, one of the most fantastic cosmic heroes. I love Angela. Includes Valkyrie, includes, um, here's an interesting thing. It includes a frog Thor. It includes Scourge, who was, while he was killed in Ragnarok the movie, uh, he is in the, um, in the comics. So yeah, that was cool. So a lot of you may have wondered about, if you, if you stayed for the final at the end of the credits, there's no end credits scene there's just the Marvel logo that appears but if you did stay till the end you would have heard like a sound of a hammer hitting an anvil that was the sound of forget all the theories that was the sound of Tony Stark hammering his first suit of armor together back in the cave in Iron Man 1 lovely way to end Endgame now here's another thing I really like in the comics the Infinity Gauntlet has been wielded by many people here's something that really made me happy as a fan of the Infinity Gauntlet uh, in the comics as well as in terms of the way Marvel has written this movie the Infinity Gauntlet has not only been worn by Thanos in the comics it has been worn by and here's why I'm saying this because a nice touch happened in the in the movie it has been worn by Tony Stark so it has been worn by Iron Man in the comics it has been worn by Captain America it has been worn by uh, Thanos Nebula and uh, the Hulk as well as the Black Panther so it was really fitting that in the end of the film they had the the gauntlet passed through all these people so it went from Clint who retrieved it and then from there it went to Nebula so instead of wearing it she carried it so that was a touch over there from there it went to Black Panther from Black Panther to uh, and the Hulk wore it at the start of the film then you had 
uh, nebula carrier sorry i think i said nebula then you had um obviously you had thanos and of course you have finally iron man i think it was a great touch there that they did actually tag all the people in the comics who were referenced in the film there are many other people but they weren't in the films so you know that didn't happen great stuff great move there really really excited about that i was actually I wanted to scream, but nobody would understand it, so I let it go. You remember? You may remember a moment in the start where, during the briefing of Natasha to the holograms of uh, Rocket and the others, after all the others disappear, Carol Danvers and Rhodey are still there, and Carol turns to Rhodey and says, uh, "Was it? I think she said, good luck or take care of yourself." And then she disappears, and that's a very quick, nice nod to the fact that in the comics, Rhodey and Carol Danvers are dating. So it was a nice touch without being a little too overhanded. Great reference to The Big Lebowski, um, the fantastic film with uh, Jeff Bridges back in the day. And what I liked was it wasn't just that, it was very, I wouldn't say he broke the, th the fourth wall, but it was a nice way of, of, of connecting with the audience where Tony Stark passes Thor and says, what, out of the way Lebowski or something like that. And I think that was nice, that was a really nice touch. I use the words nice touch a lot in this podcast, don't I? An interesting artistic throwback or an artistic nod is if you remember the scene where they're about to jump back into time and all of them do the whole all hands on deck sign they put their fists all together. If you look closely at that image, it's an exact replica or photographic replica of the original arc reactor that Tony has in his chest which became the little gift that Pepper Potts gave him which said proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Google the image and then Google the, the photograph of the arc reactor from that um, little mod, what model and you'll see that it's the exact same image so or it's it made to look that way again I think it was a nod in that part of the movie that it's gonna end with the death of Tony Stark obviously none of us knew it at the time Clint's daughter by the way we were mentioning about this earlier this first I think the first Easter egg I mentioned but Clint's daughter's name real name is Kate Bishop uh, Marvel fans will remember that Kate Bishop goes on as she grows up to become um, a member of the Young Avengers. So the fact that there's Spider-Man, the fact that there's so many other younger people coming into this film, uh, into this, so the fact that she's there, she's been called Hawkeye, she's been trained by Clint, and um, well, it's ha they ha Marvel is focusing on new young superheroes, including Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, and others, it seems very likely that Young Avengers is probably going to come up at some point. A bit of a and in bittersweet or semi-dark nice moment was when Tony and Nebula were playing the game on the Benatar while being stuck in space. If you remember, there's this moment where, where Nebula wins and Tony says, like, did you have fun? And Nebula says, I had fun. Think about Nebula's story. Her entire life, she was tortured by her father to become, to make herself worthy by killing, being evil, etc. She never, and she couldn't grow up with a sister. She grew up with a rival. And here she is, adult, and this is probably one of the, if not the only, but one of the only moments in her entire life where she probably felt the feeling of fun and was able to say it, that I had fun. I thought it was a nice, touching and emotional moment, but albeit a bit dark. Also under the Benatar, in the recording that uh, Tony's making for Pepper, he mentions they've been in space for 21 days, but then he corrects himself and says, no, it's 22. There are 22 movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now that Endgame has been revealed. Some trivia about uh, universes. The little cage where Scott Lang was holed up in the van that was numbered or labeled 616. 
the Earth that is in the MCU, this particular version of Earth, is called Earth 616. And finally, I'm going to end with a really cute one. If you, re if you were paying attention, if you watched it, or if you're going to watch it again, if you go back to watch the film, at the end when all the heroes appear because the portals were opened, you'll notice that if you blink and you'll miss it, but one of the heroes that walks through the portal to help Captain America is Howard the Duck. All right, I hope you enjoyed this. Please do, uh, please share it if you liked it. Please uh, do um, let me know in the comments or let me know via Facebook or Twitter or Instagram if uh, there's anything I missed. There's a lot of stuff I didn't reference because I, I felt that it was very obvious there was no point doing it. This, is, this was more about the little nods and the stuff that you blink and you miss it kind of stuff. The obvious ones, you, everyone's seen them, people know them. I didn't want to get into too much of cliche there. Anyway, um, looking forward to the next one. This one, I'm going to watch my fourth. Uh, I'm going to see it for the fourth time probably this week. And um, maybe I'll notice something more. Alright guys, have a fantastic day.